1: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
2: Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in
1: the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder education is the single biggest factor in determining recidivism rates this has been shown time and time again study after study. However, the 1994 crime bill revoked the Pell Grant for incarcerated students, painting it as a handout for the undeserving. In 2023, that grant will be restored and in use for prison education. In this episode, Death by Incarceration collaborates with Rassan New York Thomas and Charlotte West in bringing a conversation about prison education between New York and our own Suave Gonzalez. This is a timely conversation and will be published on Open Campus Media and Slate on October 20th. This episode will be followed up by continuing content about higher education in prison and especially higher education for lifers. A huge thanks to Charlotte, Rassan, Open Campus Media, Slate, and of course our own Suave for contributing and distributing this great conversation. talking to Charlotte West, who coordinated this great article between Rassan and Suave. She's a reporter and works with open campus media, but also focuses on higher education in prison. Talk about your broader focus on higher education in prison and how you got into it.
2: Open Campus is a nonprofit newsroom focused on higher ed, and I've been an education reporter for over a decade. So I like to say that now I'm an education journalist covering prisons. And I started this beat, uh, it's actually been almost exactly a year now. And one of the things that my editors at Open Campus wanted to do is cover areas of higher ed that traditionally don't get a lot of press. In 1994, Congress eliminated Pell Grants for Prisoners with the Crime Bill. And a consequence of that was that prison education programs around the country sort of disappeared overnight. And so five years ago with the Second Chance Pell program, we started to see the beginnings of the return of Pell. And full restoration is happening next year in July 2023. And so what this means is higher education and prison programs will be rapidly expanding once again. A big part of what I've been doing in my work is seeing what the landscape of prison education looks like ahead of that full restoration next year.
1: Excellent, and we'll we'll delve more into that another time because it's a, such an interesting topic, especially given that the administration that's currently in charge of rolling that out was the one that helped pass the '94 crime bill. The other question I had is: so you've worked with Rasan over the years, or the last year, doing a few different things. You, you two talk regularly, what inspired you to connect him and Suave to kind of get this article going?
2: Well, so I first reached out to Rasan. it was about a year ago, I think it was maybe December of last year, when I started writing my newsletter, College Inside, which is a bi-weekly newsletter that goes out by email, and then once a month we put it together into a PDF for inside distribution, both to individuals and, to, and through prison education programs and libraries. So right now I mail that out to about 700 incarcerated individuals. But I was I was familiar with Rasan's Work through Ear Hustle, which is the podcast coming out of San Quentin. And then he's also a pretty prolific writer. So I've read a lot of his work in different publications like the Marshall Project. So I originally just sent him a letter just to kind of find out more about how he was working with mainstream publications. And Rasan has actually started a nonprofit with freelance journalist Emily Nanko called Empowerment Avenue. The whole idea is to connect incarcerated writers and journalists and artists with mainstream publications you know you're not just publishing in the prison newspaper you're not producing a podcast that goes through the communications apparatus of the prison this is really writers working directly with outside editors and so i asked him if he wanted to write something for one of our first issues of college inside so he wrote a piece on you know why college matters for people serving extreme sentences it was such a compelling argument about the value of education for everyone because I think a lot of times it gets framed in terms of recidivism, job placement, which I think can be important metrics for people getting out, but I don't think recidivism is a measure of the quality of an education program, right? And so Rusan wrote a piece. He finished his associate's degree through Mount Timalpas College, which is a fully accredited institution behind the bars of St. Quentin. And he actually, he finished his degree a few years ago, but he actually just had his first, he just had his graduation ceremony a couple of months ago. I mean, prison ed in general has just been put on hold in a lot of places because right. of COVID. I first heard about Suave when I was taking a six hour drive across California. And I just sort of binge listened to the entire suave podcast but i noticed in a few of a few moments you know he sort of alluded to his education and sort of how he'd gotten that behind bars as you know ear hustle which rassan works on is a pulitzer prize nominated podcast and suave's podcast just won the pulitzer in 2022 and so i was like these guys should be talking to each other i'd really like to hear what the two of them in conversation have to say about prison education because they both were serving like these sentences. They both got their degrees behind bars, you know, and they're both looking at sort of what that looks like in terms of release. Suave now that he's been out for several years, and then Rasan actually just got news earlier this year that he will be getting out sometime in early 2023 with a commutation from Governor Newsom. And the cool part about that is, and he he mentions this in the last line of his first essay he did for us, like his education was cited as one of the reasons for the commutation. So. That was why I wanted to sort of have them get together.
3: My attitude towards education changed when I was in prison. When I was in solitary confinement, I learned how to read and write. And I realized that reading was an escape for me from the reality of prisons. And then I got out of the hole after seven years serving solitary confinement. And I took my GED. I tried eight times before I passed it. Then I got into a college program, and uh, which it was like a part-time studies. And it took me 16 years to get my associate's degree. My bachelor's degree, not me. But that's when I fell in love with education.
0: What was the highest level you completed on the street?
3: 10th grade.
0: Getting in prison with a 10th grade education.
3: 10th so- grade, and I and I didn't even know how to read and write, bro. Ain't hey,
0: so. Why did
3: it take you? Why did it take you seven tries to get your DD? Because the way the way that the school systems is set up in the prison, if you are a lifer, you are not allowed to participate in educational programs. So you got to sneak in. You basically got to try to get a job at the school department and mm-hmm. then convince some teachers that you work for trial. And so you know, I had to take the math test first, then I had to take the reading test, then I had to wait for some of that to come, you know, so it, it, it's a it's a process.
0: So why they want to keep people dumb in the, in the Pennsylvania uh, prison system?
3: Be, because th- that's the way the system is set up, you know. It's set up to ensure that lifers do not get a fair play, period. Lifers cannot participate in no educational programs.
0: Yeah, that's crazy because even if you're in prison, right, education still has a value, you know what I mean? It, it, it still has a value in that Like, for me, I'm a writer, and getting my education helped me be a writer, and that's something I can do whether I'm in or out. But now it has a life for you, a mentor. Like, people look up to you. And they say, you going to school, you can inspire other people to go to school. But if you tell them to go and you're not going, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, but. How'd you feel feel about that, man, when you're going through all that?
3: I mean, I just felt that the system cannot stop me from doing anything. Period. I came in, you know, and I decided that I was gonna get a shank and be the baddest motherfucker in a block, and I was. Cause you know, you gotta remember, I came in to do to start serving time at one of the worst penitentiary in the United States, the fifth largest penitentiary in the United States at the time, which it was grateful. So when you come in them jails, education is not the thing, you know. You grab, a, you grab yourself a shank and you look for the toughest dude and you go at his neck and you know, and that's how you get your, your credibility. So the prison couldn't stop me from doing that. So how are they going to stop me from getting an education? So when I went to solitary confinement and decided that I was going to get educated, they couldn't stop me, you know, because I started getting books. I started buying books. You know, I started telling my people, instead of sending me a drug package, send me a book. 24 hours in debt, really, right? So the only way you're going to fight the system is if you know how to write them grievance, if you know how to file them lawsuits, them pro se lawsuits. And in order to do that, you got to be educated to some, some extent. You got to know how to read and write. So that's what I did. I began reading every law book. I began learning their system learning they rules and regulations to the point where I could memorize all their rules and regulations and pinpoint when they was violating my rights. So, you know, so I just started filing lawsuits and, and fighting the system.
0: Yeah, that's 100% real too, man. That's how I used to work in the law library, so I definitely know what you mean, man. When did you start going to college and then How did that happen?
3: I went to college really like, like 25 years ago. I was, I was in solitary confinement, I was fighting the guard, so they put me in solitary confinement. I spent seven years, and, and in them seven years, another gentleman showed me how to read and write. And I told him, yo, when I get out, I'm gonna get my GED. So when I got out, I tried, got my GED. Then one day I'm walking down the hallway, and one of the guards asked me to interpret for another Latino guy, so I did. I looked over, I seen a class. nothing but white guys in there and i asked the teacher what the heck going on in there a clan meeting and uh, she was like no she she was like no it's a college program i said i want to be part of that so when i went in everybody looking at me like i was crazy you know like oh my god here comes this troublemaker so i signed up but what i didn't know that that college program was part-time studies you know, so if you're in it, you're in it for the long run. You're not going to get a degree in four years. What takes four years out here might take 16 years in there because they come in once a year. And, and that's what it did. That's why it took so long to get a bachelor's degree. All
0: right. What's your, uh, what's your
3: major? Education and marketing. Okay.
0: Like, with a life, like you had life without, right? Like, you ain't have no day. Like, it was over, right?
3: not life without parole. No day.
0: Life without parole. What gave you the motivation to even to keep breathing, bro? Like, to keep. To do anything positive, to even think about education, like like if you never go home, what what does any of that matter?
3: Oh, you see, when you start getting educated in prison, you start seeing yourself in a different light. So I started visualizing and putting myself in places that I never been in before. So you know, like I said. I found some, I found a new habit, and that new habit was education. But
0: well, what was your plan? What was your plan to do with that education? Like, how was it gonna make your life any different when I you got that no hope?
3: It, home? It, 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 it did change because I started fighting the system. I started winning lawsuits. Okay. I ain't won no money, but I was winning lawsuits, which was changing some of the policies in the jail. So
0: you so know. Basically, education gave you hope that you were going. Education was the, a way to, for you to find your way home.
3: It no, difficult. no, it, I wasn't even thinking about home. It was just another tool to fight the system. Right, because oh, okay, okay. now instead of me punching the guard in the face I'll put that lawsuit in and bang you make you pay <laughs> Right, and that's the way I was thinking that's the way I was thinking because for real, for real and PA, life without parole that's what it means to you die there is no I'm going for parole in 25 years or 30 years you die if you got life without parole so to me it was about Fighting the system and changing the law. You know, I remember we won this lawsuit where we make the jail classify everybody for what they are. Because before you came into the prison system in PA, you was either black or white. There was no in between. There was no in between. So we, we changed that. We changed that. We made them change that. You know, so so that's why I did it. But then later on, you know, it developed into a passion for me to come home. It, it was something that I knew I could use to get myself out of jail.
0: Hey, so in Cali, right? They classify you too by race, but they only got like four classifications. They got black, white, Mexican, and other. Everybody else is other, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, and it's a lot of ra- not here, but like a lot of prisons have a lot of racial mm-hmm. riots and all that. Is PA like that?
3: No, PA is not like that. And PA, what you see is more racist guards. All right,
0: all right. That's how New York yeah. is. So why they, they even classify y'all by race? Like they don't do that shit in New York. Like,
3: because, because you gotta remember, in the early '80s, prison wasn't built for young yeah. kids, right? Yeah. So in PA, whenever they had these young white kids coming to the jail, they caught the bad end of it. Yeah. So, so there know, was never you, uh, back in the '80s all the way to the mid '90s, you never saw a black man bunk with a with a white guy you never saw that but you saw a white guy but you saw a, a black man and a latino together All right. but you would never see a, a, a white guy and a black man bunk together in the early 90s you would never so, see so that they
0: classify, so they classify you out to know who to put in what cell together right
3: right okay you okay. know okay. now it's changed a little bit now Cause now if me and you cool and you white and I'm black and we said, we want to be bunkies, we got to sign that paper that we agree to be cell up together. But before they would not do that. As a matter of fact, they had cell blocks. They had cell blocks strictly for white guys. Yeah, yeah they, had, they had them like that.
0: Yeah, I definitely remember New York, the reverse racism, <laughs> it's a rougher world for white people in prison. Yeah, um, so. And I want to ask you about your re-sentencing, man. I heard that you took so many programs that it took you longer. To- to, to get resentenced, And like, what was that about?
3: Well, you know, because I, I took every program in the jail. I started programs, and by the time I went to a resentencing, I had over two hundred programs. My resentencing package was crazy. You hear me? Wow. Crazy. Yeah, it was over. Yeah. It was over four hundred pages, and I, plus I had letters of support from state reps, senators, and community people. So it was like they went through everything and. There was nothing that the DA could come back and use, Nothing at all. you know. So we made them go through everything, because what we're saying is, if my ignorance put me in jail, then the good that i done should be able to get me out. And that's how the judge ruled, you know?
0: I was going you, like, like, you sound like when you first started your bid, though, you was wild, right, going through the hole, this and that.
3: All like, the when way, did all the way.
0: When, when, did, when, when did it turn around for you?
3: 10 years later. Ten years ten later. Years later. Ten, it took ten years. What was,
0: was it? Was did you just get tired, or like what was the moment that made you like transform? No, nah, you know,
3: I, I did everything I wanted to do. I did everything I wanted to do. I did everything, you know, from 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 fighting with the guards, selling drugs, having sex with them, uh 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 all this all that stuff. You know, at, at a point you reach that point where there's nothing else to do. All right. Yeah, there's nothing else to do. So you got to find something new.
0: New challenges, like like staying out of trouble with the new area
3: Challenge for you? Yeah, no, it was no challenge. Cause everybody knew me. Everybody knew that you know, with a blink of an eye, I could go back to the old swab and and, and get buck wild. At least that's what they <laughs> thought. At least that's what they thought.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I had other plans. My
0: education was I graduated from high school on the street. Yeah. But I went to four different high schools. I kept getting what they call safety transfers. I kept getting in the drama with the biggest, baddest, toughest bullies with all this juice. I was kind of like a little square kid, right? But I kept like going against like, just not putting up with the nonsense, right? If somebody's trying to rob me, I didn't care who they was. I felt like I had a right to wear my leather coat or whatever. I was going to defend myself. That's how I was rocking. And I would end up getting transferred to this high school, that high school, this high school, that high school, and have all these major dudes looking for me. and it's crazy and I ended up finishing high school in Detroit, Michigan. I, I got into it with basically a drug cartel basis over some huh. nah, I me mean, uh, So I finished my last year. I high school in Detroit, Michigan. I had a chance to go to college for free out there, but my brother was in Brownsville. He's prowling out, getting in trouble, people trying to kill him. I felt like it's more important to come home and get a job, right?
1: Wait, you grew up my in brother,
0: Brownsville? Yeah, I grew up in Brownsville, Brooklyn. And so I, I had a job at a law firm, doing good, but... Nobody would let me move, man. Like, they had me redlined. Like, I didn't know the power of my zip code. Like, my zip code meant no for yeah. applications. You know what I mean? So I had the money. I had the job. So I'm 19 years old. Looked like I'm 14. Probably skinny as hell. And just nobody's letting me move, man. Everybody's saying no. I figured out. A, and then in Brownsville, man, somebody constantly trying to rob me. It's constant drama. Somebody had shot my brother in front of me. And I retaliated. So that beef was on. And it was just, I was a working dude with, with all this beef. Hmm. And I mean, so it was just crazy. And running around with that gun and that mindset that I'm not going for it, I ended up shooting a cat on a college campus, man, which is crazy. Over what you're looking at, it was stupid. And so I ended up going to prison. And I tried to continue my education there, but I only did like 22 months. So I started like one semester of college and came home. I ended up going home, trying to be a better person, made the right decisions, got jobs and all that. But I never dealt with my trauma. So when life got rough, the old me kicked back up. You know what I mean, I ended up becoming a full-time criminal. I uh, ended up coming catching a life sentence in California, basically killing two armed men in a drug deal that went bad. Basically, they didn't bring the money they were supposed to bring, and I wasn't trying to let them take the bag. And I just... This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Basically, a freaking bag of weed, which is crazy, which I regret to this day. I end up coming to prison, life sentence. I tried to go to the correspondence courses while I was in Calipatia, maximum level 4th security prison. Mm-hmm. But like, you have to pay for the book. Like, they'll give you free tuition, but the books are like $400 a class. I'm like, woo, $400 a class. You're not feeding me too good. I'm gonna get food right now. I got a life sentence, so. Like, ain't no hurry, right? Finally, after like 13 years, I get to San Quentin, and they got a free in-person college program. And so I signed up for that immediately. And while I'm waiting, the wait looks like a year and a half long. I take correspondence courses they the you free books of San so I was yeah. able to go to college for free. Yeah, That's I, I, when I really started soaking it up. And just to sum all that up, I, I, early on in my bid, I realized that I was never going home. I had 55 of life. in California's truth of citizens, meaning that you have to really be 55 years before you see a parole board. Right. I was 32 at the time. I was 87. I didn't think black people lived that long. Puerto Rican people lived that long. I didn't think I would live that long. So I decided to become a writer. And so, when I got to San Quentin, at had all kinds of writing programs. So, I started taking creative writing, college writing courses, anything to do with writing. Joined San Quentin's journalism deal. And so, my education for writing and my third education really got better at San Quentin. And I graduated with a social degree just recently, June 24th. Nice. At 51 years old.
3: So, you Puerto Rican?
0: My pop's Puerto Rican, my mom's black. I'm half and half.
3: Oh, okay. Damn, hold you're making me scared now, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You got to go research that. What's the life expectancy for a Puerto Rican, bro? It ain't that good.
3: Yeah, but in jail (laughs) or out here? In jail or out here? Both. In jail, is lower. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: lower, but it ain't 87, bro. We
3: don't make it to 87, bro. That's rare. Oh, man. You know what? I I, I wasn't going to put this over the air, but I, I will say this. I just became a vegan. Today is like my first day of no meat. No, no eggs, no sugar, no nothing. I'm like, I'm like on a crazy diet trying to live this vegan life. Like my partner and my my fiance is <laughs> like, you think that's gonna work? And I I started yesterday, so it worked for one day. So let's see if it go on, right? So maybe I get to live a couple of more years. But but let's get back friend. to this, right?
0: So you get to San
3: Quentin, you get to San Quentin. You got your education. You got this. How does Ear Hustle come about, bro?
0: Oh, man, that's a blessing, bro. Like, so I was just a sports editor for San Quentin News, and I just put my heart and energy into that, right? Just hungry to just just do good, just, like, make people be seen and, and be seen myself. And next door, right through the windows, Ear Hustle happening. Erlon Woods and Nigel and, and my boy, uh, Antoine Banks-Williams, they the creators, they made that happen, right? And I was just like, you're flying on the wall watching or doing stories about them, their progress, just cheering them on, just proud. And then Erlon an got a commutation. Yeah. And so they started interviewing for who would be the next co-host for the inside. And I interviewed along with a couple of others. I became a finalist, and then finally I got the job. And I think that the interviewing skills I learned from San News gave me an edge over the other interviewees. And so I was blessed to have that opportunity. And then so I was grateful because like,
3: so is that a job that the jail paid you for?
0: I mean, yeah. They pay us $36,000 a month, so, but you don't do it for money. I mean, they ain't paying you no know, money. You're not allowed to, like, get paid from that while you're in here. I mean, it, it could be possible through joint venture, but it's complicated, and nobody's ever set it up. But basically, you're mm. just not allowed to get paid for it right now. So if you already know how A.L.C. came about, they, they they entered a contest, got permission from the prison, and through a Radio Copia PodQuest contest. If we won, also uh, won, took first place. First, it was in the top 10. It is in the top four and I thought when it's in the top four that's bull crap there is no top four we're just a token now, I mean? supposed to be top three but then we won it and then uh, we got it on and popping you know what I mean that's amazing so uh, then Radio Tokyo was able to come help us just how to do a podcast because airline and thanks and them Nigel didn't know they were used to doing audio journalists to some degree but not on that level and so they got the training Like uh, while the plane was flying man it took off and I remember that they thought that they also would be good great if it did like 50,000 downloads And I'll tell you that first episode is over three million billion, over two point eight
1: million billion, something like that. That's crazy. That's what's up, man. So so just really quick though, so what do you think in terms of your education in prison, how how did it affect your overall, like how did it affect you doing your time now in terms of everything you're doing, not just ear hustle, but just your overall attitude?
0: Well, first of all, as a writer, man, it just really helped me write better. And to be at a right to the point, since June of two thousand twenty, I've had like maybe thirty something pieces published out there in society. Nice, but all you know what I mean? With everything from from Boston Globe to freaking NBC Universal, like everywhere, right? This is Insider, uh, everywhere. And so, without that education, I wouldn't be at a right on the level to be considered like a good enough to be in publication. That's one, and then two something bigger than that uh, education was happening by having these classroom live experiences where these professors are donating their time to come teach us mm-hmm. that socialization that somebody caring enough to come like while a Warriors game was playoffs is going down to show up to teach you, you have to be there too even though it's the Warriors right but <laughs> it's just like this beautiful thing man where people care about you you know what I mean yeah. enough to like want to see you succeed in life and that's different well, and when you realize that, it's like all those years you loyal to a gang or a hood or some bullshit. This th- call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. That's not going to pay you back. It's going to get you nothing but negative results. But when you like, you realize society cares about you, no strings attached, it makes you want to give your loyalty to society. You know what I mean? And so it just blew my mind. I just started becoming loyal to society and forget negativity and crime. And you
1: were telling us what education has done to change you, not just, you know, giving you stuff to do but how you do your time and i think this is something for suave too i mean you guys have obviously deep personal experience with this i mean how big a difference could we really make in our institutions across the country if we put more focus on education because you were talking about how you were having to pay for books in one prison in california then you get to san quentin and everything's free how different is that and what kind of difference could we make
3: i mean i take a shot at that i think that education in prison right, if allowed, it will reduce the number of incidents, meaning violence, prisoner on prisoner, prisoner on staff, because when you are enrolled in an educational program, such as a degree program, your focus is getting that degree. Your focus is not the nonsense no more. So, you know, and a lot of the time, you shift that attitude towards your degree. So before, for me, It was cool to tell the guard, fuck off. I'm not listening to you at the record or fuck you, right? Now I'm like, okay, cool. I got to play this cool because I'm trying to finish this degree. That means I can't go through the hole because if I go through the hole, I'm going to lose my slot in the program. And that's how I really did it, you know? And little by little, my attitude changed. So what was cool yesterday, today wasn't cool. But at the same time, people knew who I was in the jail. You know, I was a fucking renegade, you know? I ain't take no shit for nobody. I ran the Latino organization, right? Like 300 people. So if I told 300 people we're not going to eat, we're not going to eat, right? So I was able to encourage them to go to school. So we, we, we was able to turn gratis for a jail that was known for stabbing and killing and people getting sexually assaulted into a college program jail. which you saw some of the hardest dudes in the jail walking down the corridor with the little school books because they want to go to school. That's what we was able to do. That's what education does. Because all it takes is one cool motherfucker to walk down that school building and say, this is cool, so everybody else that think he's cool to enroll.
0: Yeah, and I also want to add, like, it also keeps down frustrations, right? Like, when you have a grievance within the system and you're not educated, you don't have a way to express that grievance except through violence. But when you're educated, you can express that grievance through a 602, like, like uh, Suave was saying, through a lawsuit. And so it definitely keeps down violence in that way as well. And I think that when you edu- ed- educate educated, you see yourself differently. You know what I mean? You start to believe, to believe in yourself and, and, and what you're capable of and what's possible for you. When you don't have an education, you think down on yourself, right? You don't think that you can do this or do anything but sell drugs because everything else requires an education. Hmm. Right. And so it just changed, transforms who you are as a person. And when you transform the people, you transform the prison hmm. and our country, our
3: community. Right. Which in turn reduced recidivism because when a person leaves prison with a degree, that person is most likely not coming back to prison because right. now they know what they could do. Now, now, now they've seen endless possibilities.
0: Yeah. And I think it reduces the sickness. You know what I mean? When you try to get a job and all that, they're like, you were in prison for 20 years. what? But if you can say, I was in prison for 20 years but I turned my life around, and I came home with a master's degree, that changes how a might look at you, right? It gives you a And at the end of the day, crime is a matter of choice, right? But it's choices under extreme circumstances. And it'd be a lot easier to make the right choices when you have more opportunities and options. And so yep. having an education gives you more opportunities and options.
1: What do I tell, I'm an employer. I, I hire people. We have chosen to hire and give you know fair chance employment is part of our whole company structure what do i what do i tell other employers other than my own experience what, what would you guys have me tell other employers about men and women coming out of prison especially those that have taken the time put the energy in to get educated while they're locked up
3: well what you should tell them is you should tell them this cat that when you hire a formerly incarcerated they have a bachelor's or master's degree you are hiring 10 other people that might not want to do the job. For example, I'm the first one in and I'm the last one out, right? Mm-hmm. Most people that's been incarcerated, when you get them a chance, they coming in to shine. They come coming to let you know I belong in this job. This is my job, right? And all it takes is opportunities. All it takes is somebody believing in someone and saying, you know what, I'm gonna give you a chance. The same way community college gave me a chance. They say, you know what? We're going to let you run the program the same way the 25th district gave me a chance when they had me working at the police district as one of my first job when I came home. You know, it's all it only takes is opportunities and believe that that person could do the job, you know. But if you hire me and you already got the stigma like, well, he's been in jail, watch him. It's not going to work. But if you hire me and you tell me, I believe you could do the job, go do the job. That job is going to get done.
0: Which way said.
3: What else, Mr. Thomas? What else you had in mind, bro?
0: Oh, I got a couple more questions, man, for Charlotte, and a couple of questions for my own.
3: Yeah. Shoot, bro. Here we go,
0: here we go, here we go. Well, first of all, man, like, we kind of touched base on a little bit right now, but how, did, how does
3: your college education help with your reentry? I mean, ed- my education and my reentry made it easy for me because I was able to come home, and one of my first jobs was working at the police station. A juvenile, <laughs> life, for, a juvenile life for 31 years, 31 and a half years served. I come home, I become a case manager, at the police station in Philadelphia.
0: Okay, what is your job at
3: But I was a case manager helping low-level offenders stay out of jail, no. mainly addicts, right? So, so, and I only got that job because I got a bachelor's degree from Villanova.
0: All right. Right. I also heard you doing a podcast with a professor from Villanova. Tell
3: me about that. Oh yeah, we're doing a podcast called Cell Block Dean List, produced by our media company, which is DVR which is a company that Kevin McCracken and Suave Gonzalez funded. So we producing a show called Cell Block Dean List. It's about prison education, where there is certificates, university, or self-taught. We want to highlight them brothers and sisters that's been in, get, uh, in prison in the struggle educating themselves. Because a lot of the time, you don't need a degree to get educated. All you need is determination and the will to do it. So we want to highlight that. That's coming soon to uh, DVI.
0: I want to go back to something
3: you said. You say you took 200 programs? 200 doing, programs, uh, yes.
0: Jeez, I'm just saying, quit, man. We ain't got 81 all together, I don't think. Like, what, what kind
3: of programs did you take? Well, I took, like, thinking for a change, how to be a good citizen, Um, uh, re entry programs. I took gardening. I took mentorship. I used to mentor juveniles and youth facilities. They used to bring him into the prison. I took correctional 101, which was teaching guards how to be more human to the brothers that they was gonna serve. I mean there was so many programs. You gotta remember Gratisford Prison sat 45 minutes from Philadelphia. So any program in Philadelphia that would come to Gratisford to test it out. Yeah. We had Thank Temple uh, like we had Temple, Drexel, Villanova we had like eight nine different universities in there at one time teaching college courses.
0: I think that's a advantage you had too right like I couldn't start programming until I got the man quitting. It took 13 years to get here. Right. And that wasn't that, but now it wasn't nothing but a level four in California ain't nothing but Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, hmm. and, and Right. And, a, and the DED programs about all they got right. So you know so know right there. But,
3: but a lot of the programs we started life for us, we used to start programs just so we could get recognized by the jail and then the jail will take them and teach them to everybody else. If it works, the jail will tell you, well, we're gonna make you a facilitator and take the program and start teaching it. Then they let it fall.
0: Now I want to talk about the pull of the Prize, bro. Like, that's big, man. Like, did you ever I mean, like, win the Pulitzer Prize?
3: I keep hearing that. I keep hearing that it's major, man. Is it? <laughs> it's
0: big, it's big. Mostly journalists are uh, uh, speaking, right? And to so, uh, the audio journalist, you got that thing, man. Uh, man, really quickly. You know what I mean? I, I mean, it, like, really I said, right? like I said, right? Like I like, said. Yeah, that's like the NBA trophy or something, man. That's like the, the Oscar.
3: It's like the top award in the shield. I mean, listen, i put it like this. Our struggle and our journey in the prison system prepare us for this. We are ghetto or urban journalists whatever they want to call us right we just don't get recognized right our experience prepares to do these type of recordings you know a person cannot talk to me about prison because if you've never been in prison if you've never drunk that odors and noodles juice when you're hungry if you've never been in solitary confinement eating toilet paper with toothpaste because you're hungry and the guards don't want to feed you right you can't you can't talk to me about prison. this is what we do we've been through this journey so winning that prize means that our issues are in the front line right now we have a seat at the front of the table to matter of fact we are the table we are the table right and to be the first formerly incarcerated person and the first juvenile lifeless to really knock that off man listen it's a blessing not only for me it's a blessing for death by incarceration it's a blessing for you it's a blessing for air hustle it's a blessing for every advocate that's been out there advocating for our rights
0: yeah definitely 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 i know like all these publications published my stories the fact that you went at Pulitzer and that air hustle was a Pulitzer Prize finalist in 2020 it means that people want to hear our stories man like we have a value like people care and it's yeah, like, i mean listen
3: hope. Listen, listen, just being a finalist for such an award is a milestone, bro.
0: Yeah, yeah. and This American Life won it, right, that year, right? And that's yep. also about somebody who my uh, struggle with the prison system, right, with the justice system, with the criminal system. Yeah. so, yeah, it's about us right now, man. Like, and, and I'm hopeful because right now we have a system that punishes people after harm is caused, right? It causes more harm. Yep. I would love to see a system that invested in the root cause of the crime and preventing harm in the first place, right? So nobody has to go through all this, right? There's no victims and, and, and no offenders, so to speak. Eliminate all that, right? By just dealing with it early, man. Early investment, man. And so by the end of our stories, they, 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 get some, they get the other side of the story. Normally, just get the press release from the system and they roll with that, and then we're evil and we gotta have these stupid laws so everybody gets double life and we ain't making no sense, you know what I mean?
3: Because we're America... People america is infatuated with prisons man and incarceration they are infatuated with this man this is like cherry pie to them bro like they think they can incarcerate their way out of every problem in america and they can't you know nah. but i would say this that when you do give one of us a chance to shine this is what you get you know just imagine if we have 20 other people doing what we're doing. Shit, we might walk away with the Nobel Peace Prize if you give the other <laughs> brothers the chance. I'm serious, bro. Who would have thought that a juvenile life would learn how to read and write in prison, went to prison with an IQ for 56, right? Would one day win the polis of the wall and the IDA to wall, which is like the Oscar of podcasts? Who would have thought that? No, I guarantee you, nobody saw that coming, bro. No. Nah
0: but that's the whole point, right? the they investing in our neighbors in the first place, bro, imagine how many productive people they would be producing. I got a couple more questions for well. Baby. Yeah. Yeah, it's so what they ask you, like, What did your relationship, like, I read about your relationship with Maria Hannah-Holston. Uh, when did it turn from, like, just, like, a cool friendship to, like, uh, this is going to be a story. We're going to do something with this.
3: I mean, like, in 2009, that's when we got serious about recording our conversations and documenting everything we do. And... When I came home, I was like, "Yo, we need to put this out." And but you know, you got to remember when I came home at a time when the juvenile lifers issue was hot in the press. So everybody, so everybody was talking about juvenile lifers. Everybody, you know, we had the military decision. Then we had the we had so many decisions, man, that people was talking about juvenile lifers. So we had to figure out a way to tell the story in a different way and not make it sound like everything else that was out there. So that's when we got serious about it and we just started doing our then and we started doing research and listening to other podcasts and we just said you know what we got to do it our way you know because like I told you earlier we wasn't chasing the walls our message was try to deter some other young fella from ending up in prison
0: so what was your inspiration for doing the podcast?
3: Helping change the narrative of life is in prison yeah
0: that, that, that was hustle, man, change that narrative
3: Changing the narrative. That was the inspiration. Yeah. yeah.
0: That definitely happened. That definitely happened, man. And like I said, like it's not even about awards. Like, uh, like my co-producers, they don't pay attention to the numbers. They don't care about anything else but just telling the good story. That's all we focus on, man. Right. You know what I mean? Just just not journey not the not, not whatever's going to happen after the story comes out. We just worry about telling the story. And just all these great things happen, man. We, we did win the DuPont Award the Webby. It's just, man, it's just... It, it just uh, we say the reality is bigger than the dream, you know what right. I mean? Like, nobody's even dreaming this big, right? And so it's amazing, man. And, and everybody that came home that worked in the podcast, in the prison, was able to be hired by Radio Copa when they got out. And right. it so translated to, to, to a job straight out, right? It's just beautiful, bro. You know and I mean? Right. What do you want to see happen next with your podcast? And wait, how— like, you, you've been telling like how many
3: podcasts you got all together right now, bro? Like, how many? <laughs> the name is what book? We got Death by Incarceration, which is Kevin McCracken right. and I, right? That's that's our baby. We have Injustice, which is Spencer Daniels and Lisa Speed, produced by Death by Incarceration. We got a series coming out called Camp Hill. It's about the prison riot in PA. We got The Block Dean List, which is coming out. Real soon, produce yeah. and then Kevin got his own podcast too. Kevin, plug it in, Kevin.
1: Yeah, I've got a show called Adulting Well where we interview people that inspire us. It's more of a positive spin on, on podcasting.
3: Then I got the Swabbit
1: Podcast,
3: and I'm also producing with Futudo Media Group. So you know I'm busy, and filming a documentary.
0: I'm with you on the filming too. I got a film I'm submitting to Sundance like right. this September. Hopefully it makes it called Funny time I heard you got a whole bunch of jobs besides, I heard you got other jobs besides podcasting. Where else do you work?
3: Well, probably, you know, it depends where you want me to work at. I do a lot of stuff, but I'm an artist, community activist, administrator for community college. You know, so, which one? Which one you specifically uh, want to know about?
0: The Philadelphia Community College. What do you do for them?
3: I'm an administrator, I oversee a program called the IMO program where we allow formerly incarcerated or anyone who's been impacted by the system to come to college.
0: Oh, I like that one. Do you feel like your college education opened the doors for jobs like that? Or did it you advantage?
3: Oh, absolutely. You know, having a degree, you know, really
0: put me in the front
3: line of every job interview and be considered for the position versus someone that don't have it. You know, I don't only have a degree, I have the experience. I live this stuff. Having a college degree definitely puts you up in the, in the front run for the job. That's why it's important for brothers in, in the system to understand the important of having an education coming out. You know, it's not just you go to prison, you get a GED, then, oh, I made it. No, you need it because if you got a felony, you're going to have double the hard time finding a suitable job that can maintain you and, and keep you away from the street. And the only way you're going to do that is to have some type of credential, some type of degree that can put you in the, for, in, in, in the front of the line, in the workforce. Yeah,
0: but I, yeah, but I heard, like, in, in, in uh, Pennsylvania prisons, if you're a lifer, they ain't trying to let you go to college, right? And so... And listen, uh, that, that's don't, true, don't, don't right?
3: Build. That's true, but it also... It's also a bullshit for the because I'm a I was a lifer. I did it. You know, you had you, the same way we grind when we hustling in the corners, the same way we out there hustling and doing our dumb shit. It's the same way you got to hustle and stuff when you were, when you were in the prison system. They told me I couldn't get a degree, and I left there with two degrees. So you know, no, nah, you have to you have to say you know what? I got nothing to lose and everything to gain. I'm going to get that degree by any means necessary, right? And what that means is you start saving your little pennies, you start taking them cross-finding courses, you start accumulating them credits and get that degree. But if you wait for the DOC to give you permission to do it, you're never going to do it. No, it's never yeah, going to well, get done. You know, you got to do much, it. that again.
0: But how how much easier was it to, like, like make that happen for yourself, being that you were in a prison like next to the facility, and a college
3: that's probably funded. Yo, I started my education when I was in Pittsburgh, right? Which it was extremely hard. It's not easy. It's hard. You know, we had to fight. We had to create programs for the DOC and able for for us to have one chance to get in one class, right? And that's what we did. Got a compromise. I'm gonna create a program for y'all, but y'all gonna let me in that program. So we created most of the classes that we was taking. We was creating. Okay. You know? And, but we we had an understanding that if we create a program, the DOC take it over, we could be part of it. You understand what I'm saying? So sometimes yeah. we just got to use our game. You, to, you know, you just can't wait. <laughs> I never had a program that the DLC gave me. Every program that I took, we created. When I say we, I'm talking about license. But
0: I'm going to say this too, though, right? I definitely respect that. I'm that type of person where I'm trying to make a way out of no way. I need to have a purpose. I'm not giving up. I'm going to accomplish something positive with my life. I'm not going to let it go to waste. But the average person is not mentally strong enough to face a life sentence and then have more obstacles and opportunities and still become something. So, like, would it have been easier if if the system would have just allowed these colleges to flourish and all their prisons for all the drama?
3: I mean, of course it would have been easier, but guess what? The DOC is not there to make it easy for us, bro. You know so 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 for me, you know, that's what me and you gonna disagree at where some dude the DOC don't let me. Man, that's some bullshit because we ain't running in them blocks and we hustling them jailhouse stores and we hustling them cigarettes, right? We take that chance, right?
0: Right. But most dudes didn't make it. But most dudes didn't didn't get to the Birds and all that. Most of us died I the mean,
3: prison listen, early. Listen,
0: man. Most of us ain't make it, was, If life was easier, most of us would have made it. You know what I mean? When, you're back, going, going the,
3: when your back is put against them fences and against them wall, yeah. you got to you got to make a decision. Do I want this education or do I or do I want this jailhouse shit? Right? I decided. Yeah. I decided, man. I, I don't get nothing from stabbing people up. I don't get nothing from fucking people off. I don't get nothing from robbing people's self. I don't get, you know what? I'm gonna try something new because I try everything else and I fail. I fail in drug right. dealing. I fail in trying to take people to commissary. I failed miserably <laughs> in going to the whole fucking guard. I fail in all that shit. The only thing I was able to succeed in prison was in getting an education, right? And guess what? I did that yeah. well, right? Created yeah. We. We those that are incarcerated, serving life and long time. We got to get out the mindset that we need permission from the DOT. You do not need permission to get an education or to educate yourself. You can do that on your own. I can send you a list right now with hundreds of schools that will offer you cross-finding courses for free. We just gotta hustle and get it. We just gotta hustle and get it. We just gotta hustle and get it. And when I mean hustle and get it, we got to determine do we want to die in prison or do we want to get out. Make that decision. And in getting out of prison, some and when you decide that you want to do something different and good, obstacles are going to stand in your way. How you deal with that is up to you. Me, I say, you know what, fuck this jail shit. I'm getting out of jail, right? And when I mean getting out of jail, I meant mentally. Physically, I knew I was serving life, but mentally, I wasn't in prison.
0: For sure, yeah. I feel that, I feel that. The body's boss. And so what would you say about like, lifers who came home, right? And under these juvenile life laws or whatever, and they didn't uh, make an opportunity to get that education, like, are you in touch with any of them? And what kind of job do they have?
3: Listen, I'm in touch with a bunch of them. You know what I tell them? You fucked up. You fucked up. You had the chance, right, to leave that prison with a different, with a different portfolio. You had a chance to leave with a different portfolio. You had a chance to be considered on top of the line, right? With a degree for any job opportunity, but you decided to play ball. You decided that you want to be Michael Jordan in the president. You decided you want to gamble. You decided all this other shit because you wouldn't believe you was coming home. So now that you're home, You got to settle for these dishwashing jobs, which is nothing wrong with that. But you can't tell me, well, I want a job at a community college when you don't even got a GED. You feel me? Like what I'm doing today, what I'm doing today, I prepared myself almost 20 years ago for what I'm doing today. This shit did not happen overnight. Doing a podcast with my wonderful, fabulous San Francisco co-host Kevin McCracken did not just happen overnight For some people it may seem like it happened overnight but it didn't I prepared myself 27 years ago to do this you know so what I'm doing today is nothing I'm doing the same thing today that I did when I was in prison the only difference is I'm getting paid for it yeah. today but I'm doing I'm doing the same thing bro same routine I get up every day five o'clock in the morning bro like I'm standing yeah. off the I'm standing off account. I leave my house six o'clock in the morning, every day, right. I'm at work 6.30. The same way we get up and go in them shops and work for them pennies, same way I do that shit out here, bro. You know what I mean? Because it's never over. It's never over, I'm just getting started. So you know, when you come home, you got to have that same mentality, like I'm, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. You know, yeah. I haven't had enough to eat yet, right? So to me, yeah. the mentality is like, yo, you want it, you don't want it. Because can't nobody tell me, right? I don't care if you have a like life sentence and whatever institution. If you want to get some certificate and some programs, you could. You just got to know how to work yeah. your way around it. That's it. But you could get it. I'm not too big on right. excuses.
0: Nah, me neither, me neither, man. And I'm setting up for myself, man, to be honest with you. And that's why, like, I didn't matter if I was going home or not. I was gonna educate myself and study the craft of writing, cause you could be a success as a writer from anywhere. And I mean? Right. that writing uh, led to all this other stuff: podcasts and making films, and now opportunity to go home. Um, but I was gonna be be somebody that that uh, put something good in this world, no matter what. But I just right. think most people ain't that mentally strong, bro. People be depressed. They be, they, they, they rely on substances. and I don't want to knock them for it, even though they, the answer is to
3: man up, right? But that's just yeah, a hard the bad One is, man, you got a decision to make, right? You either want to get the fuck high or you want to get out of jail. You could get high in jail yeah, and stay definitely. in jail, oh, and be sober and be free. I mean, something—it's a, a decision, bro. It's an individual decision that we can't force on nobody, right? And I don't knock nobody for it, but oh, I'm saying let's keep this real. Let's talk like mans, right? And mans talk real, right? I'm talking real deal, right? Like, there's no excuse. No brother should be wanting to come home at all, right? And there's no excuse. I'm not gonna say I got a life sentence, so I can't go to school. You know, I'm gonna guess what? If I can't, you ain't gonna let me in school. I'm gonna find a job in the educational building where I'm gonna be around that stuff, and sooner or later, one of y'all gonna let me in.
0: You 100% right, right? Like, we have to be accountable to make things happen for ourselves. We ain't no excuse in life. Cause your life is your responsibility. And either you made it happen or you didn't. And if if you have a will, you're going to find a way. At the same time, though, I just hate that we live in this world where the people with the least power held the most accountable, right? Where we point at the three people who made it out of Brownsville and said the other seven could have too. You know what I mean? And we're statistically stacked against us like that, right? And and so I'm trying to find this balance between giving people a path to success and and, and also us taking responsibility to make it no matter what. What do you think about that?
3: Listen, the past the path to success for us, man, is us coming out here and building that role for those that's coming after us. bro that's the path to success for us. okay bro. We cannot expect the system, the people responsible for keeping us in prison for decades and decades and decades to provide our path to successful. that's not they're not in their business. That's not what they do. Yeah. You know, that's the
0: real that I, I think that I think that being freedom by telling our stories and by gathering our forces, I think we could push up on the system and, and tell them like, look, it worked for us, and this is what you need to do to make yeah, other want to make the public safe.
3: That's not enough. That's not enough, man. It, it's it's truth, but it's not enough. What we need to do is create a path. I create a path, create a platform so when you come home. You don't have to knock on these doors asking for, let me on, I could do this. We already have a platform that we can welcome you to do your thing, brother, right? That's what we're supposed to do, create ways for other people to come home and be successful. Because if you are successful, if I, I'm successful. That's the way we're supposed to do. But a lot of time we come out here and we get around these bougie ass people and we start to where we come from. I made it, I made it. So, you know, so well, I'm already here. I don't worry about nothing that's about me. That's the way we think. I could, I could point to a hundred people and that tell you, man, I don't, you know, I don't worry about them dudes, they don't want nothing. You know, nah, no. Nah. Before you made it, you was one of them dudes, right? Huh? We need to start creating ways for other people to come in and be successful. You know? That's what we do. That's yeah. what this by Incarceration do. We created a platform where we invite people. What you do? You're a reporter? You want to work with us? Get down. here. Boom. We are, we extend our platform to people that really want to be successful. A lot of people don't do that because we're scared of the competition. we scared that if I let this guy in, he's going to take my shine. Well, guess what, Negro? Yeah. If you are confident about what you're doing, can't nobody take your shine at
0: all. Yeah, the
3: the yeah. I don't care who it is. Yeah. Can't nobody take my shine? So I'm confident letting anybody come in my circle or take my, come on, let's do it. Because if you go improve what I'm doing, my path, you in. You in. Let's get it. Because if you come in, I know four other people might come in that's probably better than you. You know? And that's the way we supposed to think, but we don't think that way, right? We still thinking jailhouse shit, my block, my gang, my crew. You know, he <laughs> ain't gonna let nobody in this circle because he might fuck it up in the water and might take the program from us. You know how that goes. That's the mentality.
0: That's the mentality.
3: Yeah. We yeah, put- feel
0: like it. If we got the same mission, ain't no competition. And I don't even care about the shot. I just care that the job gets done. I got a program too called Empowerment Avenue, right? It it empowers incarcerated artists while you're in prison to start to develop your social connections, get your resume right, get your voice out there. So I'm already on that path with you, man.
3: Man, if we're on the same mission, there is no competition.
0: For sure. For sure, man. Because it ain't even about that,
3: man. So so that's what we got to do. We got to start depending. We got to stop depending on other people to create the pathway for success for us, right? and start creating yeah. shit and opening the door for other people to come
0: after us. Right? I because definitely agree with you. I'm definitely doing that. I still feel like they need to do their part too. They got the power. I don't want to let them off the hook, man. I don't yeah, want to
3: let that part but go. If you're expecting a system <laughs> that gave you a light sentence to do anything yeah. to you, bro, you're in the wrong motherfucking side of the tracks, bro, because they're not.
0: I, yeah, they not gonna I do think, it. I, I think yeah. when you pressure them like, you, if you show me works best, for, what, if you can prove what works best for public safety is this education and other stuff, it puts the pressure on them to actually do that thing, man. I, yeah. I see it out here happening more and more. You know what I mean? As
3: this, I this, mean, we all know, know that incarceration do not work for public safety. We all know that shit. Nah. I don't care how many people yes. you locked up. You still going to have murders. You still going to have robberies. Wanna... Don't work. So we know that, right? But I also know I'm not blind to the fact, bro, that the system that locked me up is now going to try to help me build my life. Half of the programs that are given in prison are antiquated. You can't use that shit out here. You can't use a paper resume out in the streets. That shit don't exist. But that's what they teach you in the prison, how to write a resume in where you gonna send that paper to? You can't walk into no store in the world with a paper wrestler. They're gonna look at you like you high or crazy, right? So so we know that what they give you is enough to satisfy their system to give you parole. It's enough to throw you back into the walls out here with nothing because they know that what they are giving you is not sufficient enough for you to be successful out here. He be back in what, a
0: year like they said. He be back. He be back. I like to believe. I like to Ooh. believe that though that the system is not just one big evil monster, right? That is, it's, it's a are, group dude. of people who have different are. opinions.
3: But they are. Uh, if, you
0: again?
3: A, if you got a different perspective of the system, I would like to know it. But they are. That, you know, they're, they're all they they are the ones I like, You know, let's let's not be let's not be let's not be blind to that, bro. The, the system is not there to help me, you, or Kevin or anybody else. Cause this is not a black and white issue, bro. This is not a black and Latino issue. This is a human right issue, bro. Period. This is a human right issue. They're not there to say, we got you, and we're going to rebuild your life, and we're going to make you a better person. Oh, my God. They're not there. This is this is not no way, bro. This is the United States of America, bro. This is not no way that you go in and you get computer classes, and you get to go to college from, from leaving the jail. This is not no way, bro. You can't even leave your cell block. To go, you can't even go to the educational building in any jail before they run yard and basketball. So, you know, <laughs> so, so we, 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 what system are we talking about? we talking I about. Mean,
0: in, in Cali, I definitely see that evil, but I also see the improvement. So I feel like there's something going on where it's at least shifting a little bit. I don't know if it's public pressure. I, I also see how, on one hand, they give some programs, and on the other hand, they try to sabotage it. So it's like mixed, right? But I definitely see progress as far as I'm more uh, accepting a, uh, other alternative alternatives to achieve public safety. And it might it might not even be what I think it is. It might be money, right? It's too expensive to lock everybody up for life. That was not sustainable, right? So I might be wrong. It might just be a money thing. It might just be a money thing. But I definitely see improvements in the California prison system.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this content, we'll have more on higher education in prison with our new show, Cell Block, Dean's List, coming out on Thursdays from the DBI feed. Thank you again to Charlotte West, Rasan, New York Thomas, our own Suave Gonzalez, Open Campus Media, and Slate Magazine. This show is chock full of show notes. Please read them, click the links. Also, if you're so inclined, we have a Patreon page, Death by Incarceration. Please become a member. We're gonna have a lot of video content, things that aren't published on the show, other interviews, etc., and so on for subscribers only. Thanks, as always, to Glassbox Media and our first network, Crawlspace Media. Death Bar Incarceration is a production of DBI Media, edited by the great Jason Usri, produced by Suave Gonzalez and Kevin McCracken.